Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional. Today we're brought to you by Time to Pet and the Peaceful Pet Music, Call Music for Pets YouTube channel. What does it mean to be a creative and run a business? Believe it or not, the tasks that you do and how you plan, how you design, how you market, communicate, reach out, get in touch, and project towards the future, all of that is an insanely deep creative process. One that when we do it well, helps our business. So today, we're really excited to have Marie and Justin Plummer, owners of Winston-Salem Dog Care, on the show to talk about their journey into business, how they stay creative and flexible. They share how they have developed their hiring and onboarding process through iteration after iteration. And you'll see that theme throughout the entirety of our conversation. Let's get started. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Uh, So we uh, were started uh, by myself singularly uh, in April of 2014. Yeah, it's her fault. Um, My husband, Justin, uh, he owned a CrossFit gym at the time, uh, and I was transitioning out of uh, full-time high school teaching. And uh, I started by myself for the first couple of years, found myself exceptionally busy um, with the pack schedule. holidays really wasn't home. And so we started uh, talking about the possibility of uh, hiring and looking for some things uh, to to help with our growth. Uh, When we sat down and and kind of talked to our financial planners, we figured out that uh, we should bring him on. Um, And uh, we sold our CrossFit gym. He came on uh, full time. Um, I guess just a little short of two years ago, we started actually hiring staff once we discovered that there are these wonderful things called apps. <laughs> and once we found Time to Pet, uh, we hired our first staffer uh, in that April, I think. And we told her, don't quit your day job. Let's start slow. Because uh, I was afraid I wouldn't be able to fill her schedule. Uh, yeah. And then... Um, about four months later, we were about seven deep. Uh, and within a year and a half later, we were up to, I think we're up to about 17 uh, employees now. Uh, we are dual faceted. So we do uh, in-home care as well as daycare and boarding. Um, we have 16 acres uh, outside of the city limits to where we can do that comfortably. And uh, we are, um, with my health education background, we do a lot of uh, hospice care, uh, sick care that a lot, other, a lot of other sitters don't do. Um, but we just really try to be an extenuation of parents and just help them fill in the gaps uh, with whatever type of care they need. Wow, that's that's quite a lot. Uh, a lot of the journey that you that you've been on yeah, yeah. since you since you started. What you start you you started in 2014. What what was it then that you decided like now now is time to do this. I had had my first son uh, and he, I was uh, nannying at the time. I just left teaching um, just because uh, I was getting a little burnt out and didn't feel like a lot of uh, other professionals were as excited as I was. And so um, I was like, let's step away for a while and kind of see what happens. I asked my friends, I'm like, what am I good at? And they're like, you know, you've been doing dog rescue. What about dogs? You're really good at cooking. I was afraid if I opened a cooking business, I would never cook for us again. And so uh, <laughs> yeah, Winston-Salem Dog Care was born. Um, I just started. I, uh, I, I I will say I started on Rover, picked up a lot of clients from there. Um, and uh, I just I needed to be able to. um I wanted to be with my kids. I didn't want them to have to be uh, in other places all day. Mm. Uh, Mom and dad, not home. Uh, At that time, Justin was working in a gym. So he was working um, 4 a.m. sometimes to 8 or 9 o'clock. Granted, he'd come home sometimes during the middle of the day. Um, But I just didn't feel like it was going to work for our family. 
Um, and that's kind of every, you know, once you have a kid that kind of drives every decision from then on out. So, um, I just, I wanted more flexibility, but like I said, I grew so fast. I lost that quickly. Uh, um, and that's how we, we ended up kind of restructuring and, and moving, changed our model a little bit. Uh, so Justin, what was it like watching the growth of this business, um, that, that, that memory had started? Uh, I don't really know. Because it had so much going on at, at, at the time, you know, so maybe Colin, I reflect back right now, thinking on it. Um, but, you know, I don't know, this is kind of what just happened, you know, just we were working and stuff every day anyway. So I just kept working and, and, and things just kept getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, I would help out with what I could with our stuff in the home um, as far as the, the daycare and boarding that we did. So we did that out of our home. And I uh, just, I mean, I can't, I know if I can say, I was like, oh, it's like, wow, look at this thing. I want. It's just, geez, we got more stuff to handle and more stuff to handle and more stuff to handle. And then, you know, okay, time to make a change. Another kid showed up. And yeah. So in about a two and a half year period of time, if you make it four years total. So if you go from 15, 2015 to 2019, said she, she left teaching. We had our first kid. She started the dog business. We had our second kid. We had our third kid. I left uh, left our gym business. So kind of six major life things. And when now looks back in like a, you know, a very small window of time, you know, and you condense that even more so our first kid in 2016 to our last kid and leaving the gym, you know, end of 2019. So a little two and a half years there, three years. It's kind of like, it was just life and a, a, a whirlwind, just just doing solving stuff every day, and then okay, wow. Uh, I guess here we are now with enough perspective and time to reflect back a little bit. That that that's so often the case. You're right. Uh, you know how you were like, man, I don't really know what it was like in the moment because we were, you know, I, and we've had those too, where it's like where we look back and go, yeah, we weren't thinking. Man, what's the potential for this? What's the ten-year plan? What's the goal? What's the this? What's yes. a, 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 most days? It's just what can we do? What do we have to cover? How do we solve this? How do we do? And not and that's not a bad thing. Sometimes we're just in that moment, and and we, we'll have time later to to reflect. Hindsight's twenty ten. <laughs> Yeah. It, it is. So you talked about a little bit about the services that you that you offer. Kind of what's the 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 split between those? Um, does does kenneling and boarding does that take up most of the business, or is it mostly outcall services? We so we don't want to become commercial. We've been very purposeful about trying to uh, find a hybrid between kennel life and dog staying in the home life. Because yeah. what we discovered here in Winston Salem is it's actually against zoning to keep dogs in your home for pay. And so we've been kind of dealing with city council for a while, trying to work on that. A lot of people didn't know it, uh, but I like to read and kind of learn things. And the groups that we're in are phenomenal. And I learned so much about what I need to, you know, make sure we're looking into. And so uh, when we found that out, we're like, oh, well, let's go get onto some agricultural property where we're not, we don't have to ask for permits. No one has to give us permission. And more importantly, no one can take it away from us. And so we moved out here and we wanted to keep that 
that model, but have a separate space because now that we had kids, it wasn't as easy to just have dogs running around upstairs with us all the time. Um, so we created, you know, uh, an open concept space here at home. We have 16 acres for the dogs to go on. Um, but that is capped. It can only get so big. We only have so much space before, um, we really outgrow when we lose that feeling. So the majority of our visits are in-home visits, uh, overnights, vacation care, that type thing, I would say it's probably, um, 70, 30 and we're, and we, and we stay so booked up here at home that we don't even, we didn't market until this last year. And Mm. we barely really even had to do that. Um, because with having both facets, a lot of people will call and say, are you full for boarding? And we're like, yes, but guess what? we can come to your house. And they're like, what? I don't have to make another phone call. So they just love the fact that, you know, we can meet them really, you know, wherever they are. Um, So that part of our business has really just word of mouth keeps it running, you know, 98% booked. And then we just, um, we just grow the, the in-home visit side. That that's quite a commitment to the business to to go out and find the agricultural property and continue to do that. Did you, was that something that you, you know, you, you want, you wanted to keep going or I know a lot of people would just go, Oh, well, if I can't do this, I'll just cut that out and adapt my business to do something else. Yeah. Well, uh, when we realized we needed to make the moving change, uh, that was October of 2021. And when I seen at that point, we had done like $70,000 for the year in boarding. Like that's too much money to let go. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So so that was a, a kicker for me. And then overall now, something I have reflected on over the last few years looking back at the growth is it would I mean when when you're following God's plan, it works out, you know, pretty pretty smoothly when it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Cause uh we were in uh so we're in Winston State. I don't know how much you know about Winston or anything, but we were in a, a great home, great normal neighborhood, you know, all the lots were you know, the neighborhood been around 50, 60 years, you know, you know, third of an acre lots, nice houses, maybe like 1,800 to 2,000 square foot houses. So just a normal, you know, good American neighborhood, good neighbors, all that stuff. You know, kids could run around and play and enjoy it. Um, and when it came time to move, it was a week and a half. What time time we realized, decided we needed to move? It was... 10 days from deciding we needed to move to finding the new place to seeing it, putting an offer and getting it accepted. Yeah. We, we moved a lot of real estate in about seven days going into Christmas and it just, it all happened so perfectly and so fast. Our house went online live at 8 a.m. We had an offer at 930 and our realtor was like, you guys can make so much more, let's hold out. We're like, no, we're not going to, whatever the gift horse thing is. It's like, we have an offer. It's way more than we ever thought we got. This is all lining up too perfectly. I don't care. I'm not going to let another $10,000 mess this up. Um, And it gave us a very, we had a very interesting perspective because most people start a business and they have to spend that huge upfront amount of money in the beginning. But what's so beautiful about dog care is, you know, the there's minimal upfront investment. Yeah, especially if you're going to other people's homes. Yeah. It, it, there's really not yeah. that huge cost. So we went yeah. from creating a business, not having that upfront to um, moving and then having to outfit spaces. The good news was we already knew what we wanted. We'd already done a lot of trial and adjust. 
Um, so it was quick. And I won't say it was quick, but we we had a plan, which you know, the first probably 1,500, probably the first 15,000 visits of our business happened by accident. They just blew up. Um, <laughs> so we, we actually kind of had a plan of what we wanted this to look like when we came here, but it was definitely a unique perspective. And I'm thankful that we were already two and a half years seasoned before we had to actually do some things like spend a lot of money. Uh, Cause I think that might've freaked us out in the beginning, but like Justin said, we already knew that we were creeping on, you know, breaking a hundred thousand if we could do daycare and get a little bit more boarding. And more importantly, it was the peace of mind, just the safety, knowing that, you know, the dogs had a great place to go. The kids had a safe place and that we could be mom and dad and business owner safely in the same space. Yeah, that that sometimes we do get overwhelmed. Yeah, if you would have talked to yourself back in 2014 and going, yeah, you need to go find agricultural property and you're going to convert this thing and make this conversion and yeah. deal with 16 acres. You've been like, uh, ne- never, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. So sometimes that proof of concept is like, okay, I need to prove it to my market and my community. I also yeah. need to prove it to myself. I need to build yep. some skill sets. I need to get some mindset stuff so that I can then go and, and embrace the changes and do the, do the hard work that needs to happen. Yes. Yes. And I actually, I spoke to Janie Butnick. I've started working with her. And uh, when I first talked to her, she was like, you know, what, you know, what's the visit volume you guys are running? And I told her and she's like, okay. And I said, I have no back office. Like I don't have, you know, SOP together and none of that stuff. She's like, really? I was like, we went so fast. We just woke up one day and we're like, oh my gosh, here we are. We have a team. We have all these visits. We really need to figure it out. So we kind of built our business backwards. Um, I'm thankful for it because I think it kind of helped us uh, figure out a lot of roadblocks before they happen. So I think once we get it down on paper, we won't have to modify quite so much. Um, (laughs) We've already been through a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fire fire safety training. Um, So, uh, yeah, that that's been a blessing. But she was like, I can't believe you made it this far without any of this. I'm like, uh, we'll just call it my teaching and coaching experience. But now we've got a now we have it. So now we got to get it to where, you know, we're not the center of it, but we're very, very thankful for it. You mentioned a phrase earlier: the uh, try, fail, and adjust. Where, where does that mindset come for for for, for both of you? Uh, well, I've learned that's life. Hmm. You know, because uh, just uh, we live here in Winston Salem, and there's a medical school here, a lot of doctors. So it's kind of a quick analogy. Um, so if I'm interviewing or talking with people from med school or a doctors. I have to remind them that, you know, doctor training is, you know, you got to do all the grades in school. You got to go to get into med school. You spend four years in med school. You do your residency, internship, all these things to be actually become a doctor. And everything they're taught during that whole multi-year process is stuff that was learned because people died. <laughs> right. I mean, that yeah, that's what, that's life. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, that's how how everything works. And uh, mm-hmm. so we just, once again, blessed to have people who can kind of coach and mentor us and who are, you know, further along in life in a lot of areas who tell you this, that's what life is. You know, fortunately, you know, you with your podcast, you're able to, you know, interview people, talk with people, just spread the word a little bit to other other business owners in the similar industry. And, you know, it just it creates the sense that where everybody listens to some extent that they're not alone. The things that they're facing and going through is it's normal life stuff. Yep. And it's just it is. It's just, you know, you got to be mature enough and old enough to understand that. And I was, I kind of, from the female perspective, I, you know, I played college athletics. So learning to kind of overcome comes natural, not quitting. You know, it's been hammered into me for years. Um, 
But I had some type of epiphany when I turned 40, and I'm not really sure what happened, but I thought 40 was going to be this scary birthday. And you were going to like turn to dust and nothing was going to work. And like life was almost over. And um, I turned 40 and I have to tell you guys, it was the best birthday I've ever had because for some reason I felt like I had lived enough life to have earned a little bit of perspective and I had enough life left to fix it if, if I didn't like what, what was coming to mind. And it just really hit me after having three kids now having dealt a year and some change with you know, 15 potential, um, you know, employees every day is that I've been alive long enough to know that the stuff doesn't stop coming. When I see new people in the groups talking, I just, you know, I DM them and I tell them like, this is it. This is how it's going to be every day. And nothing's killed you yet. You are still here. You've overcome all of it. So let's just, we're professional answer finders. We're problem solvers. That's really all we do. And it just, when I hit when I hit that milestone, it just hit me that there's never been a period in my life that something isn't trying to steal my joy or become a fire or um, explode. And there's all these things that people like to say about, you know, things come in threes or whatever. We try to be very careful not to speak anything into those type situations because a lot of times it does happen that way. Um, but just remembering that we're going to get through this. Um, faster, faster if we're smart about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's going to be okay. It really works out because you know a lot of people just kind of you. And I did this a lot when I was younger. I, I'm I'm starting to get out of that now, though. Being able to stop, appreciate what's going on, and just figure out how to handle it. Right. Just just, sw- just get it done. Break it into pieces. He, uh, I think it's in Frozen. My daughter loves to watch that movie, and she talks about just continuing to do the next right thing and it will just come out like oh my gosh that's amazing but yeah i just at 40 i thought you know what stuff's gonna happen we're gonna get through it it's gonna be okay and our staff is the same way now they'll call and they're like oh my gosh we're like totally fine we got it it's okay give us about 30 minutes stop talking we'll handle it just just let me let me process it i'll fix it um so yeah i just we've we've gotten enough experience now just to know it it's going to be okay we'll we'll figure it out yeah, and that, that's frozen too by the way oh sorry, frozen, frozen too. too okay i'll make sure that yeah. links in the show notes so people can well, go yeah. and- you got an eight-year-old girl you know these things <laughs> yeah I, it's, look i yes it's fine but <laughs> justin when you said you know it's just part of life and i think that process we have to embrace that part of that that process of of i'm not an expert at everything all I can do is try and and understand that be, I'm probably going to fail at this. It's probably not going to work out for you know the first time I do that. I know that's a lesson that we try and teach. Like our daughter was really into volleyball this this past yeah. year, and it, it was like she was so excited to do it, and she started doing it. And I remember one time she came to me and she was like, "I'm not good at this," and I was like. I, yep. it's, I know, like it's your first time, right? <laughs> right? Like, but are you, do you enjoy it enough to try again tomorrow? And she was like, yeah, I like this. It's like, okay, here's some of this resiliency. And then, yes, yeah, still us as business owners, it's like, ah, oh, I'm supposed to be a fully grown adult. I'm supposed to be responsible and stuff. And it's like, still, I get into that mindset of like, I did it the first time and it didn't work out. I, I, I just, you know, burn it all down. Like, cause this is terrible. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. I had those days in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. yes. But just to sit back and go, it's, I, I, I get an opportunity to do this again tomorrow if I make that time and if I'm intentional about it. And then embracing the fact that that stuff doesn't stop, stop coming, like you said, of like, I, I can do the best that I can today. 
that doesn't mean anything about what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Like just because we executed yeah. as best we could at, you know, um, making sure that we locked all the doors today, doesn't mean something's not going to potentially happen tomorrow or whatever. And just, okay, today's a new day. That means new opportunities and it means new struggles that we're, we're going to have to work on. Yeah. She said that epiphany of 40, you're old enough to realize those things. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and you're, most cases, mature enough to where you realize when you're jumping off a cliff and you can decide to come back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. After, after yeah. I saw one of my kids throw a tantrum in the floor and they're like, I quit. I'm never doing this again. I'm like, oh, God, that's what I look like. <laughs> like I need to yeah. stop. <laughs> you know, seeing you and seeing you in a microcosm of others is a big factor too. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Oh, You're that's like, what I look like. Oh, oh. anyway, anyway, this is getting uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like, mm. So you mentioned your team, and I know you grew so fast. Uh, talk to us about how you brought people on and and how you're keeping a, a strong team together through through that through that rapid pace. Okay. So we learned. Justin has really been in charge and I'll let him speak about it. He's been in charge of our hiring process. Um, and we're a little different just talking to other, first of all, I love the community of dog care providers. Like we are so, I'm, I was so shocked to find such a huge group who's willing to spend time sending messages, helping each other. And so I kind of pulled the water a little bit and Michelle Klein, you know, is here in Winston with us. And so um, part of what fueled our massive growth is when she went to nine to four dog walking, all of those vacation clients had to have somewhere to go. Uh, Um, So a lot of those uh, came to us. And so that's where we had a huge influx from there as well. Um, but we decided we did not want to buy into the, this is a high turnover field and that it's got to be short little pieces. You want people who are jumping in between jobs. We, we I didn't like that because I knew how much it cost to train and professionalize a sitter. And so uh, we kind of went at it a little different and we started trying to find people um, who already had established businesses but didn't like interacting with people. Because uh, what we found is a lot of dog walkers are naturally um, a little introverted. They're dog people. They're dog people, and so uh, out. <laughs> we 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 find we found a couple people who had flyers up that you know we liked the look of them, and we're like we just sat down with them and said, hey, how would you like it if I just funnel all this business to you and I deal with all the headaches? And like this sounds amazing. Just don't put me in management. We're like sounds great. Um, and then we ended up with uh, a good bit of second career folks. So we do have quite a few people who work for us that want to work twenty five plus hours. Yeah. Um, and because of that dedication, you know, obviously we've been very dedicated to training them um, and making sure that they have all the tools that they need. Um, but Justin has really handled the sit down interview process. And I let him talk about it because he has nailed it. There was definitely some try fail in there. Um, one, he'll talk about one thing with uh, how we actually did daily training that uh, literally cut down on people quitting pretty much right from the get go. Um, Cause I love people and I love talking. And so I enjoyed training so much because we would get to sit down and go do training and eat lunch and get to you know talk to them and know them, you know, all the things you think you would normally do. Um, I wasn't respecting the fact that if you're an in-home dog care provider, it's a very lonely job. Um, it is a very uh, 
rewarding. I feel like we get constant positive feedback from the animals every time we walk into a door that most jobs don't get. But you're ultimately out there for, you know, eight, 10 hours a day by yourself. Um, so I am so proud of what he's done with our hiring funnel. I'll let him talk about it. Um, and I just love the fact that he's constantly reading and just constantly reevaluating, not even necessarily just the numbers, <clears throat> but the feel of what's working and what not, what's not working and just keeping up with what we like and what we don't like. And then just the constant feedback, feedback from staff who are working with us. Again, don't have it on paper like Janie would like me to have it on paper, but I feel like we got a good process. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Susan the Pet Gal has this to say. Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show will save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. I'd love to hear about this this process and, and kind of hear about that iteration that you've done over the over the years. Well, uh, good artists copy, great artists steal. So uh, <laughs> uh, I, I probably said this already, but we were just blessed enough a number of years ago to get hooked up with some people who could coach and mentor us on business and finances and really get us forward thinking to how we wanted to live. So, so I restarted this business most recently. You know, I was a personal trainer, owned a gym for a while. Yeah. Uh, our first business is a marketing company. So still do that today. And, you know, been in business with that for 20 years. So been interviewing, you know, training people, like even you know, like physical workout training, you know, in, in the gym sales and all that for a long time. <laughs> wow. Right. So um, basically it just comes down to finding people who want to do what you want to do. In the case of hiring people, you know, to work in dog care, it's do they want to do the job? <laughs> right? I mean, it's that simple. It's do they want to do the job? Yeah. And one of the best principles I've learned is, you know, listen to what people say, watch what they do. You know, what they do uh, shows you their beliefs. So if they want to do the job, how much can we expose them to what the job is before, you know, before, before we hire them? Right. Because mm-hmm. that benefits everybody. It lets us know that, hey, this person and specifically with pet care is it took me six months to realize this myself. Once I was in the daily groove of it is everybody has animal experience. Everybody's care for animals. Everybody's care for dogs, you know, and the basic care for, for dogs is pretty simple, right? Walk them, feed them, water them. You know, my five-year-old little girl can do that and she's super cute while she does it. Right. (laughs) You know, uh, however, those little skills are drastically different than, you know, running a good business, providing a good service and being a professional. Right. Right. So, um, so when we interview people, we tell them, you know, our interview and training process is geared towards helping people learn the habits and the mindset of a professional in the pet care industry. Mm -hmm. Right. The skills of actually doing the stuff is simple, right? You know, that that's irrelevant. I can teach any monkey to, to walk a dog and change a water bowl. Okay. Uh, you know, but only people can learn to think, can learn to provide a good service, and can learn to make people's, you know, other people, the customers and clients' lives better. Mm. And that's mm. what professionals do. That's why they get paid for that. Yeah. Right. So, how do you find people who want to do that? Is you expose them to it. So, specifically for us and how we interview, uh, first thing is just the application on our website. You know, anybody can do that. 
you know, you get 50 applications, you know, and 10 of them have some sort of merit to it, right? You know, how many people go on, they're filling out stuff online, especially now applications are so easy, right? You don't even have to go places to pick them up, right? They come to you. So uh, a couple questions on there, you know, generally the more people write, you can tell by their writing, by, um, you know, this is somebody who may, may potentially be a good fit, and then call and do a phone interview. So with the phone interview, uh, I want to hear how much they want to talk and engage because the phone interview is really the beginning of a relationship, right? And if we can't have a relationship, if we don't like each other, then us working together is completely out the window. Mm. Mm. And if we can't just talk and interact, then there's no relationship. Uh, On the phone interview, I am obviously getting to know them a little bit, a little bit their background, just general stuff. Hey, how you doing? You know, wife, kids, family, all that stuff. I'm telling them about me. And then uh, I'm explaining the job to them. You know, I explain them prerequisites. So specifically for us, I tell them two tangible prerequisites is a good, reliable car and a good quality cell phone. Because right? if they don't have a car and they don't have a good phone, then they're out instantly. Right? right. It's a driving job. I say that about three or four times. If you don't like driving, if you don't want to put miles on your car, that's fine. Just this job is not for you. It's a driving job. Yeah. So I emphasize that. Uh, and then I talk about two intangibles, which are patience. Uh, and flexibility. So I reference the flexibility in time because working with other people and on their appointments, things change a lot, right? Appointments change and, and add and cancel. And that flexibility is nature is up and down. So if you're someone who wants, I want my nine to five, I want to be there and boom and have a salad. That's awesome. This job is not for you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I talk about patients specifically. That's where I kind of build uh, I say that to help build a relationship with Marie and I, because I asked for them that they're going to need patience specifically with us because we're people and we screw up stuff. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, um, one of the best things that I heard from um, uh, one of the first guys I got to know out of college, um, he was super successful dermatologist for years. He said, people expect perfection unless you tell them otherwise. Hmm. Well, since nobody's perfect, let's go ahead and get that out the way now. <laughs> All right. Let me bring that up front. So when we do mess up or do something you don't like, I remember we already talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's building the relationship, showing some humanity there on our side. Uh, so I kind of go through that. Uh, and I listen to their answers and their responses. Because the words can be yes, but there's also tonality. There's hesitancy. There's all these little people nuances. All right. So you try to pick up on those. And then uh, I'll ask them, I'll tell them what we have available, you know, what we're hiring for, what specific uh, shifts. Um, I'll kind of go into more details of, you know, the, of the job and what we're looking for, shift-wise and, and all that. And, uh, you know, people are so eager to please. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Okay. Well, once again, they say that. When we actually get to doing that, is that the case? You know? Okay, you say you're available anytime. Well, are you married? Do you have kids? Do you already have another job? Where you're not available anytime, you already have these commitments. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's filtering out all the stuff people say to see what what they really mean. Right. So that's kind of the phone interview part, and then if that goes well, then we go to resume and references. You know, so kind of basic stuff there. And once again, references. Uh, better quality potential interview interviewers have better references. Better references mean that they call you back or answer you quickly. <laughs> All right. And when you mention the interviewee's name, you can see them light up through the phone. 
Yeah. You know, because yeah. the person you're interviewing has made that kind of impact in the in the in the reference's life. So uh, after resume and references, then we do a background check. So there's kind of standard stuff there. Um, and anybody who may have something come up in their background check, we'll mention it to you on the phone. Right. And like all of us, we all got stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some you know, some of it got on the legal record, some of it didn't, but that's just once again part of life. Uh, and then there's the in-person interview for us with um, you know, the way we interview is in person. Once again, it's to build a relationship, more importantly to see if they want to do the job. Because it doesn't matter how much you like them, if they don't want to do the job, then you know we don't need to work together. We're, uh, we're not going to work together. That, that's so hard because I've met with so many people, but I'm like, oh, they're such a great person, man. I they really, are. man, we were we could have been buddies, and then at we the end, be. we're like, but I don't, I don't think they'd yeah. be good for the job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a good podcast creator and content, all that stuff. <laughs> all right, <laughs> that's okay. You know, we're yeah. still good people. We're still great people. You're still nice. We still enjoyed our time. Just means we're not meant to work together in the pet care capacity. Right, which is totally fine, you know. And specifically, when we bring them in for the first in-person interview, you know, we work out of our home. The job of caring for other people's pets is in other homes. So when we bring them here, the first thing, obviously, is we get some face-to-face interaction, build that relationship. We show them our place, what we have going on, introduce them to some of the staff that we have here. Once again, building relationship and building credibility in in their mind, you know, of what we have going on. Mm. And then also in walking them around our facility, I get to see them interact with some dogs. You know, I walk them into a crazy environment with six, seven, eight dogs jumping on them and see how they respond. You know, I let them talk to some of our staff to see how, how they respond, how they talk, how they interact there. Right. Cause I, I want to see that. Right. It's a dog job. How do you really react around dogs? Yeah. Right. Uh, and I also know that anything they'll experience here is way more than going into someone else's home with, you know, just one of their potential two dogs. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then next step of interview is we'll just, while they're still here, we'll sit down and talk in a lot more details of the job. Right? I'll expose them to our app, some of the tools that we use, um, you know, walk them through that, let them get a, a feel for it, talk to them more about kind of just scheduling and the flexibility and patience that's necessary there. So all that kind of back end stuff. We talk a lot about pay, you know, how that comes together and because they're getting a job because they want more money. So they yeah. need to know how pay works. They need to know what they're going to get paid. Because if there's an issue, let's talk about that now. If we can't get through it, that's fine. We can't get through it, therefore we can't work together. Mm. You know, so the I think the biggest thing overall with just interviewing people is do as much as you can to kick them out of your interview process. <laughs> and you're not mean or rude with it. It's just you expose them to as much of the job and all the things as possible. And then if it's, they're not meant to do it, then they'll hesitate or balk or they won't want to take the next steps. Yeah. You know? um, so after we talk, you know, some back end stuff, and then I'll actually uh, give them a little mock appointment, you know, in our home, in a semi-controlled environment, caring for our dog, right? Because I want to see them just troubleshoot and do, and do a few things, you know, offhand right there. Hmm. So that's kind of how our in our first in-person interview goes. That's about two hours. Uh, and then we get into what uh, I consider the most important part of the interview process, which is in-field training or what we call, or excuse me, shadowing, in-field right. interview and shadowing. To where for five hours, they will come into the field and follow me or some of our other team members going in and out of the homes. They'll do the driving. They'll go into appointments. You know, they'll see how we do those things. Right. And like I said, we've been building to this over the course of the whole interview process. And I tell everybody, 
this is the most important part of the interview process because this is where you truly get to experience the full job. Yeah. Right. And I find anybody who balks at that. And by the time we get there, there's very few, but you still find a few, you know, um, you know, pretty much they kind of go into training and, you know, it's again, people can talk good. They can be animal people and, you know, animals are great. Animals are wonderful. However, when you get out there doing the job, it can be different. And um, best example, and then I'll be quiet is, um, you know, we had a guy, you know, he was an animal person. So, you know, little, you know, not the, the, he wasn't going to lie for the party. He was good with animals, care for animals, did great with the animals, had to find with the job things and all that with the back end stuff that we had talked about. We got to the infield interview and the last dog we went to, to see was an elderly dog, like 17. He'd been having problems, uh, just incontinence, all those things that just come from having an elderly dog. So I purposely put that dog on the schedule because this guy we were interviewing said he said the right things. He was doing decently, but I just still wasn't convinced he wanted to do the job. And also with it being an elderly dog, I wanted to get some eyes on it as well because we've been having issues. His parents were out of town for you know a couple of days. So we had to clean him up a few times and modify just because uh, of his age and his health that being I think 17, probably 17, 18. Mm. Um, so we go to this dog's appointment and uh, so the dog had, and we hadn't been there. Our team had been there maybe five hours earlier. But in that time frame, you know, he had been sedentary. He had, you know, peed on himself, pooped on himself, you know, and with him being older, his joints didn't work anyway. So he couldn't really get up and walk at that point in time. And so, you know, we had to go in, had to clean the dog up, bathe it, clean up the area and, and all those things, talk to the parents a little bit. And then after this appointment, you know, he was so emotionally distraught, he realized he didn't want to do the job. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, you know, elderly and sick dogs are, are not good and nobody likes to see any type of living creature, you know, struggle like that. It's still part of the job and we still got to care for them, you know, and if you're not willing to do that, that's fine. Just this type of job is not for you. you and there know? are plenty of sitters who don't take elderly or hospice care yeah. dogs, but but we do. Yeah. And so we were able to to figure, you know, if if and that's something we have to talk to all of our staff about is what that will look like, what our lines are, uh, how we talk to parents when end of life is definitely a thing. Um, with my background, we actually get a lot of calls from vets who will say, We've talked to the parents, they're not getting it. Could you please break this down for them? Um So it it is helpful when we can expose them to that early. Um, But the biggest thing I think Justin hit on it just a little bit. He has them drive to all of the visits. They don't ride with us. Um, Number one, obviously me having a male ride around in my car, him having a female ride around in his car. It's an issue. Um, But more importantly, what would happen is we used to do where I would train the females. They would ride around with me. Uh, where he has switched it now, where they have to experience that in-car time by themselves. A lot of people loved it when they rode around with me. And then what we found out is they would get a couple weeks in and they're like, this is so lonely. Like, there's no one to talk to. This is, you know, I don't like this. So the second he switched to the to to the in infield stuff, all being they have to experience the driving part. Um, it definitely cut down on a lot of people getting through the process and then finding out that it wasn't for them. Um, so I'm so thankful he figured that tweak out um, because uh, it really pretty much, you know, we don't have anyone that gets to the infield at this point and makes it all the way to training and decides they don't like it. 
Justin, I love how you started off by describing like, oh, well, you just need to find people who want to do the job, right? And yeah. it sounds so simple. It really does. We're like, we're like, oh yeah, of course. Just, just they, they want to do it. We have to define and show them what that means. Yeah. And yes. that's where we fall down. That's yeah. where it's hard. We struggle and we find those various aspects of, oh, what does it mean to do this job? Oh, right. The driving, right? Oh, <laughs> the cleaning up of an elderly pet. Oh, right. Like I was training a staff member and we came in and the cats, I don't know. It was like a little eight pound cat. I still do not know how to do this. The the largest like terracotta pot of this plant in the corner crashed oh. down. I think it tried to climb to the top of this little potted Probably. tree and just, oh, it was, it was like, yeah. Oh, right. This is part of the job. Cleaning up yeah. this fallen tree in somebody's house. Okay. Yes. Like, yeah. here we go. And and it's it's that stuff where people go, oh, yeah, I want to take care of pets. And we go, but do you want to do what's required to take care of pets? And trying to match those up is is the process that we, as the employers, as a business, have yeah. to come up with. Yeah. Yes. And kind of just even to pick apart your words there a little bit, Colin, do you want to care for pets or do you want to, as I said, be a professional in the pet care industry? Yeah. Because your daughter can take care of pets. My daughter can take care of pets. My daughter does help take care of pets. She loves the little ones and hold it. We take pictures, send them to the clients. It's awesome. That's different than doing the job and being a professional because we're interviewing because we're, we're running a business. Mm -hmm. Do, Do you find that that's hard for people to grasp of, Oh, this can be a profession or do they pick up on that pretty quick? Well, I'm, I mentioned it from the very beginning. <laughs> you yeah. know, I talk about it and I talk about how our interview process is geared towards that. I mentioned it multiple times. Yeah. One of the beauties that we kind of see now is just in our progression of hiring people, you know, at the beginning, we'll take anybody. I suppose if you're willing to deal with this, great, come on. <laughs> is, you know, we've went from just, you know, okay, getting applications to getting applications to people who liked animals, to getting applications to people who had animal experience to getting people who had cared for animals for money, but just helping people out or who had volunteer experience hmm. to now like the, uh, I can't remember the last person we had an application for who hadn't worked at some sort of pet care facility, whether a rescue or been employed by some of the local, local places, pet care places here in Winston, you know, or had their own pet care business in another place, you know, who are, hadn't already had the professional experience. And I think on your last podcast, you guys were talking, uh, they were talking about how they've tried to create an environment where the the staff is respected and how it kind of, um, they've created an environment where staff gets respected, they get time off and they need it. And it's created an environment where those same staff are willing to jump in where there are other situations. Yeah. That was, that's been our motto. Our, when I heard that, I was like, no, yes, that is what we're trying to create. Yeah. Um, so word has gotten out. Um, so for anyone who's kind of struggling with, you know, I'm putting so much work into this, put so much work into it because it gets better to the point now that the word has gotten out to other facilities in our town. Hmm. And we're noticing those people are getting unhappy with situations where corporate isn't taking care of them. And they're being really, you know, owned and micromanaged versus um, you know, be, we try to have a team where everyone has input, everyone feels respected, um, and we treat them like we don't own them. You know, if they want time off, we're going to figure out how to make it work. Um, they're coming to us now and wanting to work 
with us because they've heard from our staff and from other people and from client. And we've had a lot of, we even have people who um, are in rescue. We have a couple people who own their own like um, uh, bakeries and stuff for dogs that just need to supplement their income who work for us. And I feel like that's such a huge testament to the process and the environment because just word of mouth, in the community is making people want to apply and it's just, it's increased the quality of who, you know, we're getting those applications for. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it really does come back to you when you, you know, really put the legwork in to try to figure out what is and isn't working. Right. You go back to something you mentioned earlier is, you know, change, get a process down and change it, you know, referring to your, your daughter and your son, you know, and then now that we're interviewing more people who already have a professional experience, you know, I'm beginning to tweak the interview process a little bit because I no longer have to determine if they want to be a professional in the pet care industry. <laughs> They've already <laughs> done it for years in other capacities or other places. Yeah. So now with these people who like the lady, I, um, she started interviewing the other day. I actually had infield with her tomorrow. You know, before I would require five hours. Tomorrow we're going to do three hours. Why? Because this lady started and ran a rescue in Texas. You know, so she did all the stuff re- required with that down there. You know, all while raising her her three young kids as well. Hmm. You know, so I know she wants to be a professional. She's already done it. Her references raved raved about her, and her references talked about how well she cared for animals, how well she went out of her way for animals while still being a good mother. Sure. Wow. <laughs> so she she found she she found that how to work that dynamic. So and she reached out to us after a few months of moving here. You know, back to to our area. So I know she's a professional. I know she has to be a professional. I know she wants to be a professional. I know she understands the details of that. So for her, in her case, and the more people are interviewing now, I just need to determine if we're the right fit by who we are and how we operate, expose her to that as, as much as possible, and then still walk her through enough steps to where she knows she's earning she's earning a, a spot on the team. Yeah, that's, that's, that's critical there. And, and I know when, um, when I, after I finish with interviews and I'm debriefing with, with Megan and we're going through things, she always asked me this question of, of, do you think they understand what we do? Or do you, do you think they understand what the responsibilities are? And that's such an important question to ask of, do they, do they actually understand? Or like Justin, you're saying, are they just people pleasing and saying, oh yeah, no, that's takes, that's wonderful. That takes what, yep, absolutely. I'll do that. Like teasing that apart, understanding that. And, and, and the, the backgrounds will speak to that. Background checks will speak to that. References will speak to that. How they act will speak to that. And you have to put all of those pieces together to, to understand, does this person not only want to be a professional, but do they understand what it means for us to be a professional? That yeah. is key. Yeah. And then once again, to kind of pick apart something you, you said there is, you know, I take is Megan your wife? Yes. Yeah. She okay. Is. okay. Yeah. So working with the wife is the best. Woo. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's, it's great. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you said, do you guys, you know, do you understand? Uh, one of the best things I learned was taught years ago is understanding comes way after the fact. You know, said I tell people when we get them started, it'll take about three months to find a routine, another three months of working to really dial that routine in. You know, so for me, it wasn't until, you know, I had been, you know, fully dog walking out in the field for three to six months where I really began to understand things. Yeah. Right. So when we interview, I say I want to expose them to the job and I tell them understanding will come later. Mm. And we've had to set that expectation because what we've started to see more of, um, 
and it, I've heard other podcasts where people kind of refer to like it being a softness. I don't think it's a softness. It, it's somewhere in between a, I either do it right or I don't do it at all. And then just not having the best self image sometime, I guess, in work situations. It was a complete game changer for us. Uh, for, I feel like for our, our staff, as well as for me, that when he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like it does, there's a window of absolute time you know, month here, whatever people want to decide that it is. Um, I'm sure some people have a better process than we do and they figure it out faster, but there's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Like there, you, it's going to take you this long before you feel comfortable. Just telling them that it's okay, that this is going to stress you out. You're going to be like reading through the notes at night, trying to make sure you, you understand everything and that you're probably going to get a message from me that you probably, you know, left a door unlocked or left a can of food out or whatever, while you're trying to wrap your head around all this information, we didn't run into people calling us and going, I just can't do this. Because again, we told them it's okay. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. Know that anything, any interaction you get from us is us improving, not us condemning. Um, And just letting it it help me as well as an owner understand and know that because in the beginning I would see a card come through or I get a message from a client and they're like, they left my door unlocked. And my thought was, you're a grown human. I can't teach you how to lock a door, like lock the door. And, you know, then I actually, you know, got out there and I thought, you know, Hey, I need to teach them. They got to lock the deadbolt first. Cause yeah. if you take that key out that deadbolt and you lock the door handle, it's really not secure. And if you lock the deadbolt, then we at least know we have one contact in place. Yeah. And I never would have, until I owned this business, would I have thought that I had to teach grown people how to lock a door. But slowing myself down and understanding that I do need to articulate the steps and the importance. And just the fact that I can't get mad when they mess something up in the first 30, 60 days. Um, that there is a little, there's a lot, there's, there's some grace from us that has to come in there. Because if we hired based off of my initial feeling of perfection that everyone should have because I do it right. We wouldn't have a team. Mm. So I really had to, it, I I struggle with things that don't have definitive measurable um, timeframes or, or aspects to them. And so just some of these little things that Justin started putting into words with our hires, it not only, like I said, helped them understand that, but it helped me as an employer understand they're in the newbie window. You know, we, we, we got to learn from this, not fuss yeah. about it. Um, so, and our staff says they love that. And I even started doing this little thing where, you know, I've read all the, the people help books and I, I felt like I, when we first started working together, I felt like I was the disciplinarian and Justin was nice dad. And so like when people needed to take like a month off, they call Justin and um, I got stuck with the, you know, because it was always, well, you did such, you've talked, I, I knew all the, the clients. And so Justin's like, well, you know, the client, you call them, you have more rapport with them. And so it was always me having to call and fix the little things that might've happened. I ended up in this, like be the the tough person role. Um, but I started, I, I started doing one of my, one of my staffers, she ran a warehouse for Haynes brand for 30 years. And so she's so good at um, being aware of the positive and negative. And so I just made a nice comment to someone and she was like, do you know how far that went with that person? Like they sent me a message and they were like, do you see what Marie said? You know, whatever. They were like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, really? <laughs> and so I created this, you know, Excel sheet where I make sure that I am 
um, legitimately patting them on the back for something that I have noticed, be it fantastic pictures. We started a brag channel in Slack. So when like really nice uh, happiness cards come through or we get reviews on Google, um, I will, uh, or a comment, I'll copy and paste it into the brag channel. And I'm like, Hey, guess what? You know, cause we have some clients, some staff who write some phenomenal cards. Like I don't, they're like English majors. I'm like, wow, this is Shakespeare. And um, our, our clients just sit around waiting for the cards to come through, like on family trips or like our whole family sits around waiting for the card and um, <laughs> no pressure. They're, yeah, they're phenomenal. And so like, I'll share them. Uh, and it has gone such a long way with um, just our staff um, morale with mm. me remembering to interject those positive things. And so um, we went through the good cop, bad cop. Now I feel like we're finding a really good mix because the communication is just getting better. The expectation is getting spelled out better. Um, and it's freeing up more time for me to remember to do the positive, you know, reinforcement as well. Because I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't treat my kids like that. So um, that's right. been a big, big learning experience, too, is just not forgetting how far a good comment goes and making sure that that stays balanced on some level. Because too much of either can create a cocky sitter or a lazy sitter. Um, and you know, someone who's just very appreciative. We have a lot of staff now who say, you know, I've never been anywhere that people like to say nice things to me. And I'm like, that is a friggin' shame. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I was upset with myself for a while because I overlooked it. But again, you know, try to adjust. We figured out that it's very important. We need to make sure that we're taking that time to do it. Cause you know, a year ago it wouldn't have, it was always important to me, but not high enough up my priority sheet. Now I have found out that three good comments will save us 50 headaches. A lot of pet owners don't know how to react when their beloved pet is facing a bout of anxiety, noise sensitivity, or depression. However, various studies have shown that animals react very positively when calming music is played for them. As a trusted pet sitter, have your clients check out the peaceful pet music Calm Music for Pets YouTube channel, where they can give their pet the best chance at relaxing while they're away. From peaceful melodies to soothing nature sounds, this YouTube channel is the go-to spot when your client's pet is anxious and you don't know where to turn. Complete with beautiful and vibrant animations, their videos will become your home for the tools needed to keep the client's pet in a state of peacefulness. Be sure to subscribe to Peaceful Pet Music, Calm Music for Pets on YouTube, and hit that bell so you never miss a moment of calm. That, that process of, of refining how, how we do this. How do I interact with people? And it, and it permeates everything that we do. And, and what I hear from both of you as you're speaking, like it, it truly is, and I'm always amazed by this, of just how a creative a process it is to run a business. This, I, it, it is, it is a ve it's very, very creative. And for a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm not creative. Like I can't paint. I can't play music. That's not great. But like a business is nothing but being creative. <laughs> Yes. And when people are like, give me a list, what did you do? Tell me. I'm like, eh, there's some bullet points, but you got to, there's some feel and no one likes to hear that there's feel because again, that quantitative measurable bullet pointed, you know, list, obviously there's some things we all do to be successful. Um, but there is some magic sauce just in personality, the willingness to continue to be a lifelong learner. And, you know, the, just the, the remembrance of, um, 
Like I, I even told my staff, stop calling me your boss. I'm not your boss. There's nothing in this business that I would not do or have not done that you have already done. And I want you guys to know that on Thanksgiving, I'm hustling too. Yeah. So I'm just another team member. We just orchestrate. We just make sure all the pieces go where they need to go, but we are no better or no worse than anyone else that's on our team. Um, and just, you know, just remembering that, um, I didn't want to create a dictatorship. I'd already worked in that. I, I didn't want to have that again. Um, but again, not quite quantifiable, not quite, you know, can't quite put it on paper. Um, other than, I guess, if you just put a bullet point, don't be a jerk. I mean, that might cover it, but uh, just remembering to be human and be nice. Uh, yeah, don't don't be a jerk. A jerk. Don't be a, a crazy boss. Be nice. How do you two decide what to focus on? Because with the business, with the operation that you all are running, I'm sure you've got a thousand things on your to-do list or on your want-to-get-to list. Where, where do you start with that kind of process? Uh, well, that's where, in our specific case, which you can relate to, is you work with your spouse. So God gave you the completer. And because you guys have complementary things, that when you're working together, it just it naturally works out. right? Meaning... Uh, says she's in this particular case with the dog care. She started this business first, so she was doing everything, right? And I would help out when I could with the daycare and boarding because that was from the home, because I already had was involved with two other businesses that couldn't go out and run and, and do the dog appointments in other people's homes. Yeah. So you know, I was already from when she started, kind of helping out with the stuff that was at the house, daycare and boarding. When I came on a more full time role in 2020. And then, you know, yeah, we were able to, um, I was able to do more of the dog stuff outside the home. Uh, I still based that around what we had going on in the home. However, once again, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I left my gym life wrapped up with that, began to phase out end of 2019, last day, January, 2024, or, or January 24th, 2020. Literally right before COVID. What happened six weeks later? Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of stuff. You know, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so God gave us this nice quiet time of about six weeks to where there was nothing going on in the home, no daycare, no boarding to where we could regroup as a family. Uh, I could begin to kind of get my feet wet going into other people's homes, doing that, uh, finding my routine and rhythm with that going into people's homes process. And then we slowly began to ramp up back about Memorial Day of 2020. And then obviously remember 2021, everybody chains off free. You know, we had I'd learned habits and learned discipline and gotten the stuff squared away um, when we got to 2021. And then because we had that time frame, we had three kids. She was getting into the mothering stuff more. So um, I began doing as much of the outside the home or much of the dog care as I could, whether daycare, boarding or the walk going to other people's homes. So there was that element. Uh, and then once we really began to grow, began bringing on employees and everything, you know, so once again, from my gym background and all those things, I already had experience interviewing people and sales and, you know, finding people to work with us. So I just kind of naturally took on that role because I'd already done it. You know, her being the teacher background, she cares about the paperwork. She cares about crossing the T's and dotting the lowercase J's and all, <laughs> and all that. So once again, it's the, it's the, it's the, the, the natural blend working together there. Yeah. So, um, so that just kind of fell itself into place. Now, since we once again have leveled up in business, what we're working on finding now is the because the dog care roles are taking care of themselves. That naturally takes care of itself, right? Um, we're we just what we mentioned to ourselves 
to ourselves the other day. We now need to define the administrative stuff and who's going to do what when, because now there's three to four people, you know, with hands in the administrative stuff. So we haven't yeah. nailed out those parameters yet. We know that's what we're in the process of nailing down as far as back end administrative roles and responsibilities and tasks. There's basically two ways that we've kind of, I feel like we've looked how we, how we kind of manage a day. Um, obviously the most important thing when we wake up is, is our family taken care of and the kids are okay. Yeah. Um, so um, we are not, um, so we are, we are, we've, we found out we are not, a good, I'm not a good employee. I don't know about him. I'm not a good employee. Um, I am an entrepreneur at heart. I don't want people telling me to do stupid stuff for no reason that don't move something forward. So um, whether that makes us serial entrepreneurs or lifelong entrepreneurs, I don't know. We're business owners. That's just how we think. Um, So we know that the employee side of the matrix is not for us. So uh, we have always kind of had the mindset every day we're going to look at, is this business working for us or are we employees in our business? And um, that's kind of where we knew where he says natural. These are the thoughts we're having that he defines as natural. Is it working for us? Is it working for our family? Is it working for our staff? Is it working for our clients? Um, And so that's why we knew the gym wasn't working. You know, the, the payout was not what it needed to be for the time investment that he was making and what that was costing him physically. Um, and he wasn't able to be home or be when he almost fell asleep at the table one day talking to me, I thought he had cancer uh, and we just figured out he was just working too much. Cause this guy would get, he had to go to work at what 5am. I would wake up to do a feeding at three 30 and he's like, well, I'll just get up and do it. Cause I gotta be up in an hour and a half anyway. And so I'm like, oh, well, you're amazing. Well, then it hit me. He's getting no sleep and he would never complain about it. So again, we looked at, is it paying us well? Is the time is, and, and time is money. People say that it is like, there are things we do in our business. I will pay a fortune for because the mm-hmm. time that it opens up is $5,000 million uh, worth whatever the small investment may be. T- time is is what it is. We're confined by it. So um, there are things I pay for that you know don't necessarily make sense on an Excel sheet, but they make sense in time, family time, interactions with our kids. Um, then on a daily basis in our business, what we're looking at, um, the things that jump out the fastest to us, do we have an emergency? Do we have a sick dog? Do we have someone that like literally needs to go to the vet now? Are there any major fires? Um, Then we're looking at are our staff's needs met today? Um, Do we have someone like we have a a staffer right now whose mom is battling cancer? You know, does she need to be off today? Um, Does she need to run out? Who can cover that? Um, How are we taking care of them? Uh, we had a staffer have surgery. We're making sure that, you know, food's getting taken to her family, that, you know, that they're they're an extenuation of her family, making sure they're taken care of as well. Um, and then we just kind of, then we start looking at the things as far as uh, the things that we need for oxygen, which are those things, staff and clients. And then we get into the things that aren't combustible. They're not going to catch on fire today. So, uh, you know, like Christmas presents need to go out to staff. Um, do we have our SOP together? I know Janie is, Janie's like, get it done. Um, like now. And I'm like, but it's like number seven on the list. Um, but, but I, I, we, with the, the, the increase in, you know, office management and that type of thing, uh, I'm starting to get a lot of that off my plate. 
Uh, and then once we finally started rolling, then we had like last month, we had like 50 new clients come on board. And we were like, I had texted Janie. I'm like, I don't know what to do. We can't slow down long enough for me to carve out 10 hours. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, and I'm sure you guys have seen this in your business. If you don't respond quickly to those people, they go elsewhere. Yeah. So that obviously gets moved up higher, you know, on the list. And we even had a powwow yesterday with um, just a, a mastermind with our other administrative people on, you know, how can we improve the process? Like with Robert Strickland, his automation stuff is phenomenal. I'm not smart enough. I'm trying to figure it out. But even though I can't do the big chunks that Robert's doing, just those little pieces that people are pointing out in those groups about, um, is your process actually working? Again, am I an employee or am I an owner? Do we have a process that makes this easy for everyone across the board? So those things have moved up on that priority list of should this get done today or not? Because again, we're getting to the point, and I wish we'd done this a little bit sooner, but again, our growth was so fast. But like yeah. we were talking earlier, we're starting to see a long game because it's not just us anymore. Yeah. Now we've got three managers who you know need to come to work and know that our process works. Because again, I told you, I don't like working in a job where I feel like I'm beating my head up against a wall. I don't want them to feel like they're coming to a business to be an employee beating their head up against a process. So um, getting those things in place, I now you need know, them now are a much higher priority for us, again, because we have other people who are carrying our... Uh, we had a friend who told us that your biggest blessings will also be your biggest burdens. And to keep that in focus when you're building your business and doing anything else. Cause you know, when you get those fire, you know, you get, you get a fire on Thanksgiving and you're like, I don't have time for this today. Like seriously, but just remembering it provides us the ability to live a fantastic life with my kids, not rolling out of bed till they want to and whatever else it, yeah. it's the big picture. Those things make it worth it. But just remembering, like I said, a lot of things have moved up in priority just because we have people who want to help and we want to make sure they don't have their hands tied behind their back. I love that perspective of of going, um, there are so many things to work on in my business. We all have a list a mile yeah. long, but it's about our priorities. It really yeah. j- truly is. Where, where, where do my priorities align with what the business needs to work on? And sometimes, yeah, we may need to reach further down on the list to bring something up because we, we start thinking a little bit further ahead. But that's as our perspective changes, we need to, that, that changes our, our priorities, right? Like it's this kind of continuous moving piece and these puzzles that are going around as we it's, grow, yes. as we grow and develop. Up, right, <laughs> it's that it's that same mindset again. Where we're talking about nothing's going to burn you down except for a couple of things, like losing a dog or not showing up for a visit. You know, it, it, <laughs> just remembering that you know there's not really anything that's going to just you know make you throw yourself in the floor, waddle around, and scream, "I quit! I'm not doing this!" You know, it, 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 time management's obviously very important, but uh, but again, you know. It, uh, a business is living and breathing and it's moldable. It's like a Rubik's cube. You know, you just kind of, you turn the pieces where you need them to go that day. There has to be some long term thinking. Otherwise you turn into a three-year-old trying to get cookies every five minutes, but just, just, it's going to be okay. You know, don't, don't get so tied down in your process that it doesn't let you breathe. I don't have burnout issues. I don't have blood pressure issues. Do I get to the gym as much as I would like? No. Um, But again, I know that there are certain periods that it's going to be way easier, certain periods that it's not. We just 
and and he's been so good about mapping out what our year looks like and what we've we've been alive. You know, our business has been alive long enough now that she's starting to get into that toddler phase where we're starting to see that you know certain times of the year there are certain routines that work well. We know what our numbers are now, where our highs, where our lows, where our peaks are, where things may transition, um, and we just you know we roll with it. You know, you just you just you know. I know January and February are going to be slow. So I know I'm going to be able to prioritize SOP and whatever else and our new processes and making sure kits are stocked. You know, it's, it's breathe time. It's revamp time. Um, and we're, we're excited. Our accountant told us last year, we're not allowed to say January is slow anymore because it's really not. Um, but it is, it is definitely not July. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that time, but I just can't tell business owners enough that, you know, it's going to be okay. You may not have an answer today, but you just keep hammering at it. I used to, uh, I used to do Ironman before I had kids and my coach used to always tell me the only way you do 140 miles is one mile at a time. So if you don't have the answer to the question that you have today, Life is probably going to throw you something tomorrow that will make it so in focus that you're gonna be like, how did I not know that? So just just keep chipping, keep hammering, figuring out what you can be successful and win for, you know, win that day with. And it just it's, you know, we're, I guess, six, six, almost seven years old now. And um, it, it will work out, especially if you can stay positive and excited about your business. And if you can't be, then that is a sign to go hire someone who can come in and put some life back in it. Um, Cause there's nothing that makes us, we, we just hired a kennel manager who fell in our lap. Again, someone not happy with another situation ended up here. And I'm going to tell you what, she has just blown my heart open um, for just the things that I forgot. I got so tied down into the process of what we were doing that I forgot to enjoy it and what we we're doing with the dogs. And so she's brought in an art program. The, the dogs are down there making Christmas trees and like all kinds of fun stuff. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, this was our vision. And, yeah. you know, I thought it was gonna be this long process. And guys, literally, in one day, I went from a to-do list of 5,000 things to do in our do- in our, uh, our kennel business. She shows up and within like 48 hours, we've got the top 50 things on my list knocked out. And, you know, she's like, and she's just like, yeah, I got, I'm just glad somebody's listening to me. I'm so excited that someone likes my ideas. Our clients love it. We've never, you know, our capacity for daycare is, is starting to get maxed out and we're so excited for it. And again, it was one person. It was one day. And if you'd have asked me at 6 a.m. if I would feel the way I did at 9 a.m., I would have told you, no way. I didn't even I didn't even know I wasn't happy until, like I said, she blew it open. So just hang on. I sat down with another business owner here that owns a dog, another dog care business here in Winston the other day. And she 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 messaged me. She's like, before we sat down and talked, she's like, I really thought my business wasn't going to make it. And I was like, you just need sometimes you just need somebody to tell you you got a good thing. Keep hammering is going to be OK. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be OK. Find someone who believes in you. I'll tell you that even if you got to go hire them, find someone. If you're if you're burning out, it's time to find someone to help you. And that's okay. And getting employees is not that hard. You know, there's enough of us now that'll walk anybody through it. You know, there there are people that will that will help take it off so you can remember why you built it. I love that. Remember why you built it. I think that's where we do need to stay focused every day. And if we can wake up with that, keep that in perspective, 
things will work out and we will know, right? A lot of times it's hard to know, like, what, what do I work on? Well, it, it's going to be okay. Like, what, what can I yes. focus on? Right. And, and I'll tell you, the single yeah. most unutilized thing in your home is your mirror in your bathroom. Get a dry erase marker. And if it's bugging you or it's making you happy, throw it up there. Cause I'm going to tell you what, I come up with some of my best ideas and solutions between getting a shower, getting ready in the morning and just seeing it there. So yeah. if you even just have to tell yourself, put your why on that, on your, on your mirror, you know, this is, it, especially when we get in like what we used to do, like when we were doing all this from home and it was literal chaos, we used to, I would take and I would go into time to pet and I would write down what the report payout was going to be for like the next seven days. And I would just write the number on the, we turned one whole wall of our kitchen into a whiteboard and I would just, we painted it and I would write up there what the number amount was. And Justin was like, what is that? I was like, that's how much money we're going to make in the next seven days. He's like, yep. I can suck this up. <laughs> like, yeah, we can't do anything for that. So yeah, whatever motivates you, figure it out. You know, if it's a trip to Hawaii in two years, I don't know. Just yeah. write it on a mirror somewhere so that you see it. Put it on your rearview mirror, whatever. Um, I just found if you keep those things in front of you, you can take a lot more beating than you ever thought possible. Well, I want to thank you both so much for coming on the show today and sharing with us your journey oh, and your immense words of encouragement. It's so cool to see and hear what you were both working on and how you are. I mean, you're really changing your business, your lives, and that impacts the, the industry and your community. So it's really cool. And I'm really, really thankful for our time to get to talk today. Uh, for those who want to reach out, follow along with all the cool stuff, or maybe pick your brains on some other stuff, um, how best can people get in touch and follow along with all that you guys do? Uh, they can find us on our website, which is WS Dog Care. Um, I dot com, and I am in all of pretty much all that I know of uh, mm-hmm. the sitter groups. Um, I'm in Robert's group, um, pet sitters, uh, confessions, all of those. Um, and then uh, my email address is listed uh, on the website. Our phone number is three three six five zero five pets. Um, I will invest any time into anyone that I can because we are so thankful for all the people that have helped us. We don't have it all figured out. But uh, it's like I told my friend here in Winston, if I don't know, I know people who do. I can, I, I'm good at connecting you to people who will help you figure out a solution. Um, and I just want to tell you, thank you. This is our first podcast ever. Oh. So uh, thank oh. you. This is, our, this is our rookie rookie podcast. So just thank you for having us. And we're, uh, we're, we're excited that, uh, that you guys even knew that we existed and then oh. reached out. So thank you. Hey, Colin, go back to you, man. Don't get so tied down with your processes that you can't breathe. What a wonderful reminder that while we should write things down, have a process, have our procedures, have things lined out, ironed out, so we can teach people, show people, maybe sell our business if that's something that we want to do. No process is so precious that if it starts to impact us and our ability to do our work, to serve our clients, and to lead and be well, nothing is so precious that we can't throw it away and start over again. We built them in the first place. We can decide and create new things as we change, as our business grows and evolves as well. We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet and the Peaceful Pet Music, Call Music for Pets on YouTube channel for sponsoring today's show. And we really want to thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back again soon. Thank <laughs> you.